Hey there, everybody. It's DJ Breast Cancer, and I am here with a very special guest. Her name is Rivki, and she is going to talk about this amazing book that she launched, um, which is just new, and I'm so excited to share it with you. It does deal with breast cancer. It does deal with adolescents and breast cancer. So I'm excited for you to hear about this amazing book and her mom's journey with breast cancer and how it has formed and shaped who she is today, and even including some of the career choices and aspirations she has for the future. So welcome, Ripke. So good to have you. Oh, you too. Thank you so much for that really nice introduction and for introducing my book. I'm very excited to be here. Yes. And if people want to know, it also you also go by Rebecca, which is also what your book is under too. But you told me that Rivki is a beautiful uh, nickname for Rebecca. So I love that. Oh, for sure. Yes, it's very confusing. I have a lot of names. Um, <laughs> my my real name is Rebecca. That's how I go professionally. But everyone who knows me, which is now Tina, um, calls me Rifki. So I really I go by both. Um, and I'm happy to be called either their their um the translation for Rebecca in Hebrew is Rifki. So they're really one in the same. It's so pretty. I love that. Thank okay, you. well, let's get started. And you can tell me a little bit about you, just who you are as a person, or maybe some, you know, family fun facts or what, whatever you want to share with me about who you are. No problem. So I am Rebecca, aka Rifke, Um, And I grew up in, in Long Island in the suburbs of New York City with my parents and my twin brother and my younger sister. Um, I, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer when I was in fifth grade, which definitely had a large impact on my life and what I wanted to become when I grew up. Um, so I went to Barnard for college. I studied psychology and then I moved out to Chicago. Um, I went to medical school in Chicago and I also got married and we have a beautiful baby. He's 16 months and he doesn't sit still for a second. Um, <laughs> I know I skipped a lot in there, but, um, that's basically the large milestones of my life. And, um, I, some fun facts about me. Um, I love to share that I set up six couples. So six couples I introduced are married. I have a lot of other setups out there in the world, but not successful yet in terms of marriage. Um, and one of the couples that I set up is actually expecting her second baby. So I'm giving her a little shout out. And my second fun fact I always share is that I wrote a book, but now I could say I published a book. So that's really exciting. And this is also my first podcast. So everyone bear with me, but thank you so much, Tina, for the opportunity. I am so excited. Yes. You, you told me you're a newbie and it's kind of a bucket list. And I was like, yes, we have to connect. So I'm very excited to to bring a little light to your story. Um, it's it's so awesome. And yes, you could even be like millionaire matchmaker, you know, as well in, in your future too. <laughs> That's, cool. That's my goal. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one show. Um, I can't remember if it's Bravo or whatever, but she she's always like telling people the way it is, you know, and, and hooking them up. For sure. Um, so I, I obviously, like I too had a mom who went through breast cancer than I myself did. Um, but the experience of watching someone go through breast cancer is, is very painful. It's very hard. Um, I was in my, you know, mid twenties, um, just starting my career and it really impacted not only me, but like our whole family and our whole family unit. Um, it, it also made me and my brother, you know, much closer just as adults, because we kind of bonded over, you know, a, a different life experience, um, than just, you know. <laughs> The, the fighting and things that go on um, growing up. But I would love to hear um, just a little bit from you of your experience watching your mom go through cancer. I'm sorry you went through that at 20 years old. I think going through that at any age is really hard. 
Um, I went through it when my mom was diagnosed. I speak about it in my book. Um, my mom wants everyone to know the real side of it. So I'm going to speak a little bit about it, um, what actually happened, um, what was not fictionalized or exaggerated in my story. Um, but my mom was a, a lawyer. She worked in New York City, but she actually stopped working in New York City when I was in first grade. So she was always home in the evenings when I got home from school. And she's also a cooking fanatic. She was and still is. She's always worried about what we were eating for dinner. She wanted everyone to have what they wanted. Um, so it was very weird. We came home from this particular day of school. It was a Tuesday. Um, and my mom wasn't home and there was no fresh dinner. There was dinner. My mom wants everyone to know that she made sure we had food. Um, and my siblings and I thought it was really weird. And later that evening, my mom called us and she told us that she had a boo-boo and that she would need surgery. And to me, that was alarming because boo-boos are things that kids get. It scrapes on the knee, it scrapes on the arm. It's not something you need surgery for. So I was really nervous and really upset. Um, and as a fifth grader who thinks that everything in their life revolves around them, I obviously took it to heart and became really, really sad. Um, looking back at it now, like talking to my mom about it, I, I see more her perspective. She was 34 years old at the time with three kids at home. She found a lump in her breast on December 6th, which was a Monday. Then she was going in for the mammos, the MRIs, the biopsies, waiting for results. And it, she was probably figuring out how to process everything while she was trying to figure out how to tell her young children that she had breast cancer. So I, I, I although I was upset with her at the time for lying to me, I mean, the book is called Secrets Are No Fun um, for a reason. Um, she told me she had a boo-boo because she still didn't understand that she had breast cancer yet. She probably didn't even grasp that. So I, I, I think that there's a lot to learn and how to communicate with loved ones, your children, your family on, on how, uh, on the fact that you, you were diagnosed with breast cancer, but there is no right or wrong way to tell someone. And my mom was diagnosed on the 7th with breast cancer and her surgery was December 20th. And between that time, we all knew she had cancer. So she ultimately did tell us. Um, but I think that, that so much goes through a person's head when they have that diagnosis. And only now can I understand why she approached it that way. I don't know if that answers the question. Yeah, no. And that's beautiful. And I think to your point, there is no right way and everyone's just trying to figure it out and they're trying to protect their children probably at the same time. I mean, I'm only assuming, right. At the same time that they're trying to go through it. And like, you said like your mom's a very busy human being, you know, just trying to figure everything out, but has a household that she's also managing too. And so like balancing all of that, I can't even imagine, you know, and you don't want to worry your kids too much. And and you had a younger sibling as well too, right? So not only is it you and your twin brother, but then you also have a younger sibling who maybe she felt like they couldn't, you know, handle as much, you know, detail too. So it's very, I would imagine, very difficult to craft, you know, the the narrative for everyone, you know, in an age appropriate way that they can like handle and process. Meanwhile, you're trying to like handle and process it too. So, I mean, I just, you know, kudos to your mom for, you know, going through all of this and then for you for learning from it and then trying to share this, you know, beautiful book and story with others too. Oh, 100%. I think that the reason why I wrote this book was because even when my mom told me I had a boo-boo, there was nowhere for me to turn. Um, like there was, I mean, now there's internet, there's the Instagram, there's everything like that. There's TikTok. But at that time, there was no easy resource for me to turn to, to really just show me that I wasn't alone. And I didn't want anyone to ever feel alone going through this. So I wrote, I wanted to write a book that really would 
tell somebody, to, I mean, describe to a fifth grader in a way that they can understand everything from cancer diagnosis to uh, seeing your mom bald for the first time to uh, seeing your mom post chemotherapy for the first time, um, even post up from surgery. It's so scary seeing your mom, who's the foundation of everything, suddenly being sick, you know, in bed, not being able to wake you up, not being able to make you dinner, uh, whatever they normally do for you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I can't even. Yes. And, and I went through all of that too. I remember being with my mom, you know, during surgeries, I remember, you know, seeing her bald and, and that was, I think a really low point for her, you know, like it just part of your womanhood is your hair, you know? And so it's very difficult. And so, you know, I remember sending her flowers and like trying to be there and be like her support for her, but it was almost like the, the roles had flipped, you know what I mean? Like you go from being, and, and I was obviously much older than you were, but you go from being this like child to then like, you're the one giving support and you're the one cheering on and you're the one like trying to help, you know, and, and do more than maybe you normally did or take on. So it definitely like changes the roles and, and really pushes you probably in, into more adulthood, into more serious conversations, you know, a, a lot more um, things very quickly than, than maybe you would have ever realized. Like for me, I know... I really grasped more of like how important this life is in like living this life just from all of my experiences with my mom. And it made me like want to travel more and see more things and live more, you know, in the moment, you know, than than maybe I would have, you know, prior to her diagnosis. No, oh, I love that. I hope you went to some fun places because that 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 is that is what that is what makes life worth living. So that's amazing. And I think as a fifth grader, what helped me was that I took some control in my life by waking my siblings up every day. That is true. I write about it in my book and my siblings still remember it. They still talk about how strict I was with them getting up every morning um, just because I wanted my mom to sleep. And in the process, I always did end up waking her up, but at least she didn't have to get out of bed and wrestle with my brother or with my sister, but something like that, giving me something really tangible that I could do every morning, because let's be real. I was, I was 10. Like I, I couldn't save my mom. I, I wasn't a doctor. Like I couldn't drive her to the appointments. There wasn't much I could do except really try to support her and try to stop crying as much as I did. Oh, yes. But I'm sure like just by you, she probably so appreciated like this leadership role you took within, you know, the household and trying to wrangle, <laughs> wrangle your siblings as much as you could. Yeah, she definitely appreciated it. She definitely appreciated that. Um, I was trying to be the big sister, the, the, the new step in quote unquote mom for the time being. Oh, I love that. And I too have a brother who is like hard as heck to wake up. So I could relate to that when you like would throw a book at him and he'd like barely move. It was so cute, like how you describe it. Um, but I I love the book and what I've read so far. It's so cute. It reminds me kind of of one part, like, are you there, God, it's me, Margaret? Versus, and it kind of has this nostalgic feel too for me for like Sweet Valley Twins or like Babysitter's Club or the books that I read when I was like younger. So it put me back like into that nostalgic feel, but yet it also made me, I could see how someone going through what you went through could totally learn and relate to what you experienced. So maybe talk a little bit about how was your life interrupted? You know, being a fifth grader is no fun. It's not easy, you know? And so it's, it's hard to go through that just having a normal home life, you know, but you're going through a whirlwind at home and you don't really have the total, I won't say total support of your mom. I'm sure you had support of your mom, but you know, there's distractions going on where everything can't then center around you like it maybe did in the past. 
No, for sure. And thank you so much for saying that about my book. That was really my goal. It's definitely meant to be uplifting and positive, but also I, I my goal was to make it make you laugh and make you cry at the same time. So uh, cry in a good way. Um, but <laughs> the I think the whole point about being a fifth grader, I think I'm a kid at heart, definitely not as young as a fifth grader, but I think I definitely have a young soul. Um, so it was definitely easy for me to get in the mind of a fifth grader when I was writing the book. Um, and the, my ultimate goal was really to showcase that a fifth grader really thinks that the entire world revolves around them. And that's normal. That's normal development. Um, you think that nothing bad is going to happen to you because how can something bad happen to me? Um, and I think part of growing up is recognizing that that's not how the world goes, that something can happen at any moment. And as just as you said, you just really have to live until that happens, which God, it could never happen. Um, but I wanted to show really how my world was rocked once my mom's cancer diagnosis came. Um, and at the same time, how obsessed I was with who's going to know who, how are my friends going to take this? Are they going to treat me differently? I didn't want to be known as the girl with the sick mom. So I was definitely very much obsessed with that. Um, and at the same time, something that I could give over as advice, I think when a mom or a dad or someone is telling a child that they have cancer, um, especially breast cancer or something that has to do with uh, like a specific body part. I think giving over to their child that language that they can feel comfortable using. Like I was very nervous saying the word breast cancer. I know my brother was definitely nervous saying the word breast also. Um, so I think either practicing with them or, or telling them that breast is just, it's another body part. It's something normal. People have things with their breasts all the time, just like they have with their arm. Um, but I think really just practicing with their child on how to tell their friend if they want to um, and saying that it's okay to say that word, um, really making them feel comfortable is another way to help, I guess, ease um, the tension that children may feel in terms of letting other people know. Yeah, I think that's such good advice. Um, I mean, you're talking fifth grade where like that kind of humor or like it's almost like it's taboo, but it's not taboo. Like people are talking about these things, but not in a like serious, like <laughs> serious form. So like how to your point, giving them the, the skills and like the conversation to like have these, have this talk with them um, and not have it feel, you know, wrong or weird or strange, you know, but just like, Hey, this is what our family is going through. And, and these are some ways, you know, we can talk about it and then you can choose, you know, to talk with who, whom you want to talk to. So I mean, I, I definitely think, you know, me going through it as a 25 year old was, you know, I, I was with people who could definitely support and understand much different than, you know, like being a fifth grader. So that's why I think this book is so beautiful, because there are many people who have children in that range who are looking for ways. And some kids maybe don't even have the words or want to necessarily talk about it, but could relate to this book as someone else to your point. Um, has gone through this and and I feel less alone by reading this book. Oh, for sure. That that was really my goal. And even for a parent to read it, just to sort of see the mindset of, a, of what a child may feel. I know every child is different and every child may not be as dramatic as I was, but, uh, or as I write myself to be. Um, but I, I think that if a parent reads it and, and maybe gets a little sense that a child may be nervous of what everyone's going to think. And even though they're going through so much, but this is just what their child may be feeling. I think that's also beneficial to be out there too. Yeah. So what do your brother and your sister think of this book? I, I assume they've read it or what kind of feedback have they given you? Oh, I love that question. They are <laughs> so emotional. My brother has not read it. He's 
very, I write that he's sensitive. He's, he's very sensitive about this time in life. Um, he's read parts of it. His wife read it and Sam is her favorite character. Um, my sister, she said she cried through the whole thing. She can barely, she can barely get through it because she, she basically relives it, which is funny because she was really so young when it happened. Um, but my family feels very, they all re read it recently. Like when it was published before that, my mom hadn't read it. I think since, maybe I was in high school when I showed her the first version of the manuscript and the book has changed so much since um, because it has to evolve with the times. I think the first snack I wrote that we were all eating was Dipsy Doodles, but I don't think anyone knows what a Dipsy Doodle is anymore. So I had to change it to something a little more um, status quo, <laughs> like Chips Ahoy. Um, so my family, definitely, I've gotten good, good feedback from them so far. Oh, I love that. And I love that you've evolved it. So let's maybe talk a little bit about that evolution. Like when did you kind of start and then how many times do you feel like you've changed it? I mean, I'm sure as a, as an author and you're constantly going through uh, your work, you do make changes, but it sounds like this has been a love or a project for quite some time in the making. Yes, this has been my baby since I was in high school. I started writing this book when I was 16 years old, I think right after I got into college and oh, that was made before I got into college. Um, and it's really been with me through everything there. When I clicked publish, there are people that I went to school with um, in high school who said, oh, this is the book you were writing back then. Um, and it's just really funny because it's so different than it used to be. I originally wanted it to be published with a, a regular publishing house, with a traditional publishing house. But unfortunately, I got rejected. It was very difficult to, I guess, um, penetrate that uh, publishing house agencies. Um, but so I really, I, I was trying to make different storylines um, that would align with what a publishing house would want. So over the years, I've really been trying to add and and puff up those storylines, but also trying to add more characters. Like my grandparents weren't in the first version of the book. Um, the musicians that I, I mentioned were not in the first version of the book. I now recognize that children don't necessarily listen to the same musicians. They now focus on YouTube. So I, I stuck with Taylor Swift because I figured she's just someone that everybody knows who it is. Um, but I was really excited. My husband's actually the, the person who encouraged me to be brave and click publish um, and finally get my words out there because ultimately the point is for someone to read it. And my goal was if one person can benefit from it, then that was that was a success, a success to me. Oh, I love that. And I, too, wrote like a poetry book, which um, it was just a collection of my poems. And one day I, I just kind of felt God speaking to me and it was like, just publish them all, you know, and. Yes. But they were like ones that were me going through cancer and then go going through COVID brought back a lot of the same like feelings and emotions. And so it, there's kind of an arc to, you know, the, to the book where, yes, there's like the cancer part and the COVID part, but they kind of blend and, and blur, you know, within each other. Um, but, it, you know, it's just I, I self-published it. I'm very proud of it. Like seeing them arrive like on my doorstep was just like the best feeling. Like I, I know I had tears like it was just such a great feeling. Um, and I have like all my proceeds go to breast cancer, um, foundation here, um, in Indiana, but it's just, it, it was like a, a, you know, passion project that was really meaningful to me. And just a piece of me that can live on in this universe, like for as long as it can, you know? So, so I love that. And to your point, I just want to touch people. And if one person feels less alone, then I've done my job, you know? And, and that was also too, like the impetus for mine. 
Oh, a hundred percent. And seeing the book for the first time, like your book in physical form, I think is crazy because you spend so much time staring at the screen um, or I guess printing it at Staples. Um, but <laughs> it's just really crazy to see, to hold it and to put it on your bookshelf or to see a picture of your friend holding it. I think it's just, it's very special and it's, it is something that could live on even beyond us. And even if somebody sees our books in 2050, um, when we're on our next projects, um, I think, I think that's really cool. I love that. And yes, and your son has now something too that he can also treasure as well. So. Oh, for sure. We got to teach him how to read. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, let's shift gears just a little bit about your career, because I feel like all roads kind of led to this, you know, to this career aspiration. So did you always want to be a doctor or did definitely your mom's diagnosis, you know, influence you in any way? So I, I've always wanted to be a doctor. My dad has been whispering in my ear that I should become a doctor since I was born. Um, my mom's diagnosis and treatment and recovery um, definitely propelled me to become involved in hospital and um, hospital volunteering and research that focused on women's health and really trying to give back to people who didn't have access to healthcare the way we did. Um, so that's really what led me to become involved in medicine. And I fell in love with medicine when I was doing my rotations the past two years in medical school and um, matching residency. I'm doing uh, internal medicine in New York City starting June 28th. So I'm finally going to be able to get my hands dirty and actually learn how to treat patients. Um, so I'm really excited. I hope to become a primary care physician that does have a little focus on women's health. I recognize that women's bodies are different than men and uh, they definitely need to learn how to ask specific questions and learn about their familial health history. And my hope is to really encourage women to take those preventive measures if it's necessary and if it works for them. Um, and yeah, I, th there's a chance I may specialize in oncology or GI or something, but right now I, I would love to be a primary care physician. So I'm excited I'm on the right path. I love that. And you will be amazing. And I know that you will be such a great advocate for women, you know, having been through what your mom's been through just makes you such, you know, more of an empathetic person who can understand people. And to your point, like sometimes patients don't always ask the right questions. So I think, um, you know, I have been to different doctors too, where there's, there's such a variety of doctors and there's some that will say almost like why they're asking that question. And it's so enlightening when you get someone who kind of explains like, the why and you're like oh that's why they ask me you know if if i have blood in my stool or if i have you know spotting in between it's because you know this medication that i'm on can lead to uterine cancer and this might be like you know especially the spotting in between could be a symptom of that and so when you have people that like give you the why it not that you don't answer the doctor correctly but they kind of become routine all the questions they ask you so you can understand like more where they're coming from and, and maybe some why they're more serious of questions versus others. Yes, I, I've been actually been doing research um, since 2017 on how to improve patient-provider communication and just really trying to explain more about medications and treatment side effects because I think if patients learn a little bit more about the side effects of their medication or what to expect from the different medications they're taking for their different, I guess, comorbidities, meaning blood pressure, diabetes, or something like that, then they'll have a better understanding of what's to come and what to expect and maybe have an easier time with their treatment. Um, medicine is so complex. So there's so many different um, things that can improve, but there's, that's a start. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, I know you'll be a great pioneer for that. Um, 
So I wanted, we can ask a little bit more too about the book. So what is it like reading it now versus living it when you were like younger? Like, does it, does the story still hit you like in the same way or have you just kind of grown so comfortable because you've done so many iterations? Just curious a little bit about how it feels as an adult and reading this last version, what that kind of feeling was like. So the last time I read the book, I think was the day before I so like hit publish. Um, and I really liked it. So I was really proud of myself that I actually liked what I did after so long. Um, reading it now, I, I feel so removed from it because I've, I've read it so many different times. Um, like the main character, Ariana, I, I don't feel that she's like based off of me anymore. I feel like she's just like a character in my life. Um, like my ultimate goal is for it to be a Netflix movie. That would be the coolest thing ever. And people were actually messaging me on Instagram of who should play the main character. I love that. Um, but I, I'm really proud of, of the work I put out there reading it as a, an adult. I'm sort of like impressed with myself as a, as a high school kid. Like, how did I write that? Um, and I hope, who knows, maybe there's a sequel in the future that I could do it again. I love that. I love that. And yes. Well, who, who would you love to play yourself in, in a movie of this? Oh, I was thinking about it. So I need to find the new Dakota Fanning, whoever the new Dakota Fanning is, that's <laughs> who I need to pick to play Ariana. And we'll just make her hair really curly. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Oh, that would be fun. maybe she has a niece, you know, or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. We have to look on Google. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay. Well, I ask every guest, best for a Tina tip, which is just any kind of advice you would give. Um, I know in talking with you, you know, before this call, you had so many great like tips and words of wisdom. Like, yes, you're kind of, you know, young at heart, but I feel like you're also kind of an old soul that like has a lot of wisdom. So would love to know, like, what's some advice you would give to people, you know, especially people maybe that, you know, have younger children that are going through, you know, a, a cancer, you know, diagnosis in their family. I think so for someone who has young children going through a cancer diagnosis, I think it's making a plan, talking about how open do you want to be with your kids? Do you want to do you want to show them like your bald head? Do you want to explain how many chemotherapy treatments you're having? Do you want to tell them every time you're going into the doctor for a test? I think trying to figure out what how much you want to share with your children is really important for you, for your own sense of, of peace of mind. Um, and then it's also good for your family just so that you know what sort of what to expect and, and what's going on. Um, I also think it's important to know, I always bring up the bald head just because my mom, she is so special. She, I remember we were sitting in her room and she asked me, do you want to see what it looks like? And I said, yes. So I think it's important to know that you won't know what, how your child's going to react, no matter how young they are, unless you ask them. So I, I think that's another thing to recognize that your children are smarter than you think they are. So if you want to show them your scars, if you want to show them, I guess, like a black and blue mark from an IV or or anything post-chemo that you're experiencing, if you want to share that with them, then you all you need to do is ask if, if that's something they're interested in um, seeing or experiencing with you. I think that's such great advice. And, and yes, it I mean, I remember seeing my mom's bald head and like, you know, even at 25, like that's tough. Right. And, and so I do think, um, but it, it hurt me more like in my heart than it did, you know, than it scared me, I guess I would say, but you know, it's very, um, it, it's just such a challenge. And, you know, I, I, I just applaud you for taking these efforts to try to help people have that tool or have more communication with what they're going through. Thank you. Thank you. And for anybody who's not going through that, I would also say that 
in the face of rejection, do not give up. I got rejected from publishing houses, from medical schools, from residency interviews. Um, and I went to a medical school. I got into residency. I published my book. So even though it may not be exactly how you expect, it, it will work out. It, it does find a way of working out. And send that message, send that DM, send that email. Um, you never know who, who you may meet and you never know who, you, who may help you. And you never know when you'll find a friend like me and Tina. Oh, that's such good advice. I love that. Well, would love, like, how is your mom doing too? I'd love to know a little bit about your mom and maybe a little bit about your family, like where you stand today. Cause like, I know it definitely changed our family. It made us like appreciate things, you know, holidays became a little different, a little more meaningful. Like everything just kind of changes a little bit. There's just a different lens after you go through something so big and then you celebrate, you know, all the moments from there on after. For sure. We're, we're, I'm very lucky. We have a very close family. So since I'm moving back to New York in this summer, my whole family is going to be living in New York and we spend all of our holidays together. We often spend weekends together. Um, we're very lucky. We're very tight knit. And my cousins, who I actually mentioned in the book, um, they live around the corner from us in real life. And we we spend also all of our holidays together and we're really all there for each other. And, and I do think that my mother's diagnosis um, and recovery and everything that we went through as a family is something that did um, unite us. Um, and it's something, I guess, that keep, helps that, I guess, is a foundation that keeps us united. Oh, so beautiful. Okay. Well, lastly, where can people find this amazing book? Secrets are no fun. I'll post the link to it too in our show notes, but where can they find you? Where can they find, you know, the book where, what would you encourage people to, to check out after this? So definitely check out my book. It's on Amazon. It's on Barnes and Nobles, and it's also on my Instagram bio. So you can follow me, Rifke Stein. Stein is my married name. It's another name of mine. Um, but definitely you can follow me, see me, see more about my journey with my book and see me start residency and start advocate, advocating for women's health on my platform. Um, and I'm really excited to have had this opportunity to talk to you more about my book and my experience and really thank you so much for having me. Oh, well, thank you so much, Ripke. Secrets are no fun. I'll be sure to share. And again, if you know anyone, you know, whether it's yourself and you have children or whether you, you're just interested in a great story, um, it's a really great book that I, I'm thoroughly enjoying. It kind of gives me nostalgic feels, but yet there's so much heart and so much love in it. So thank you for bringing your baby into this world. Um, your secrets are no fun. It's It's been a great pleasure. So thank you. Thank you.